Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this podcast, I chat to athletes, coaches, and industry professionals about their sporting journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Guests range from Olympians to the everyday lover of sport, but the message stays the same. There is so much more to sport than what meets the eye. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the release of each new episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. I'd love to hear from you. I can't believe it's a year since I started this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to share the journeys and lessons that each one of our incredible guests have had through sport. I am beyond grateful to each one of you who tune in week after week. It's been amazing to connect with you over Instagram and see the community grow. To celebrate the lead up of the podcast turning one, there's a special giveaway running this month, September 2021. We are giving away a limited edition Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart mug so that you can enjoy your cup of coffee or tea whilst you listen to the podcast. All you have to do is open up the Apple podcast app that's the purple one with the white logo, go to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, scroll on down to the ratings and review section and leave a review. Make sure you screenshot and send it to me via Instagram or Facebook so I can enter you into the draw. A review with just the stars will be worth one entry and if you write a comment you'll get two entries. Entries close at the end of the month and the winner will be contacted by Sunday the 3rd of October. For those of you who are listening on Spotify or another podcast platform, don't worry, you haven't missed out. There's something coming for you next month. We are joined today by Aoife Coughlin, an Australian Olympian in the sport of judo. You could say that judo was in Aoife's blood as her parents actually met playing the sport and her siblings also participate at an international level. In this chat, we talk about her introduction to judo and her background in a lot of other sports, the highs and lows of being involved in sport and how that's helped her grow as a person, as well as her balanced perspective as athlete, coach and sport and exercise student. I really love chatting to Eva, and I hope you gain as much from this chat as I did. Can you tell us a little bit about your sport and how you got into it? I know it's a family affair with you, so tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, I do judo, which is a a Japanese martial art, and um, it is a part of my family history. I've I've said this a few times now. Um, My parents actually met doing judo in the university in Ireland when they moved to Australia. They were lucky enough to move to a town that was pretty close to a judo club in the country, put my older brother into it, and then my other older brother into it, and um, I followed them because they were my heroes when I was a, a young kid, so I followed everything they did, every sport that they did, I copied, and then my sister followed us when she was uh, old enough, and I think um, we were maybe four or five when we all started, so it's been a, a long time in the sport, and it's something I'm very grateful to share with them. Yeah, oh, that's so awesome. What part of Ireland were they from? Because my parents are both Irish. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, they're both from Dublin. Yeah. Your parents? Belfast. Belfast. Yeah. Is Dublin's the north still, isn't it? Uh it's down down in the south a little bit more, I'm pretty sure. My geography's not great, I'm gonna be really (laughs) honest. It's not something I did in uh in high school uh very long. I only did one year of geography. So here's two uh like two kids with uh you know Irish parents and we're like, oh we don't know what part of Ireland we're (laughs) we're yeah. I know I'm from Dublin and that's the main one and 
that's what I tell people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's cool that they met playing judo and then obviously they came down to Australia and you've watched your brothers play it. Like, was there a moment that you were like, you know, once you got over the fact that your brothers were your heroes, that this sport was for you? So I've done a lot of sport. I've played hockey, swimming, AFL when I was younger, a bit of a little athletics as well. So I got a wider range of experiences with that. And one like time that stands out for me is probably when I was maybe eight to 10, I met Maria Peckley, who is the last person to medal at the Olympics for Australia in judo. And she got a, a bronze medal in uh, Sydney in 2000. And meeting her and at a local competition in Victoria, like this is this great Olympian medalist. What is she doing here? That kind of like, that's when I went like, that's what I want to do. I didn't know whether I wanted to do it in judo or another sport, but I knew I wanted to be an Olympian. Any chance I got when in primary school, you know, how you do all those projects on Olympians. It was yeah. her or it was Kathy Freeman. And it just went, that's it. That's me. I want to do that. And when I was maybe 16, 17, that's when I knew I wanted it to be judo. Oh, that's incredible. And it's cool that, you know, you know, sitting here back from your first Olympics and you've done it. Like, how does that feel? Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I haven't quite managed to figure out the right words for it yet. It's the realisation of a childhood dream, being the second person in my family to do it. Uh, my brother was a Rio Olympian. I uh, just, I have no words to describe it really. It's it's pretty much crazy, especially in this situation with COVID as well, like not knowing whether it was going to go ahead or not and finally being there and being able to to do it and to be able to call myself an Olympian is very special. It's Yeah, it certainly is special. And go back to when you were 16 and you knew that you wanted to try and make that sport judo. What was it about judo that you really kind of felt drawn to? So apart from the family side of it, of that giving me a little bit of an extra push to this is your sport, um, judo is a, it's a, every fight is a different puzzle and I'm really into puzzles. I like word puzzles and number puzzles and jigsaw puzzles, but everything is, every fight's different. Every opponent has a different uh, strategy tactic to try and to beat them. And I like to figure that out and it's always going to, it's always challenging and never going to get the same situation every time so I just like the the different aspects of that and challenging yourself to be better every time yeah cool yeah I like that I guess it's different to something predictable like swimming where well you kind of know how many strokes you get taken a lap and the time that you're aiming for so yeah I guess that is really awesome yeah I mean with swimming you're the challenge to yourself like obviously you can see the people in the lanes next to you and gauge off of that as well. But you know what time you can do. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to beat. Whereas in judo, you've got another person who's physically on the other side of the mat trying to stop you from doing what you want to do. And it's it's so different and challenging to try and fix that um to fix that and to to get over on top of them. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned that your whole family does it. <laughs> Has there been some interesting uh fights in your household? <laughs> Uh, yeah we we definitely got in a lot of trouble when we were younger for rough housing if it was on the mat it was fine as long as it was it was within the rules but uh, at home we did get in a little bit of trouble and mum and dad weren't all that happy with us <laughs> you could almost see like a parenting strategy come out of that and go okay well we'll just get a mat and any disagreement just get on the mat kids sort it out <laughs> yeah we definitely had to sort a few things out there were a few holes in the walls when we were younger that 
that the my mom and dad weren't too happy about. Oh dear. <laughs> so you're just back from the Olympics, but I want to kind of throw back a little bit further. So has there been any like significant milestones along your journey? Actually, in 2014, I graduated high school in 2013 and I started uni in 2014. And um, about January or February of that year, I lost all passion for competing. So I still like to train. I still liked judo, obviously, mm-hmm. but I just didn't want to compete anymore. The, I had a lot of anxiety around it and it just wasn't something I wanted to do. So for about six months, my coach said, all right, just train, train like you're going to compete, but you're not going to compete. And we'll see if doing that and seeing your family and your friends and teammates competing will kind of ignite that spark again. About halfway through 2014, I was like, yeah, no, I actually, I'm missing out on a lot. And this is great. I really want to, I got that passion back for competing and I haven't looked back since then, but that was a big moment for me. Yeah. It's hard going through something like that. I guess I did something similar it was around that first year of uni in 2014 and I was like I don't know if I want to swim anymore and in terms of swim I meant compete because I didn't know if I was enjoying it I was really struggling I guess with the balance of being a proper adult (laughs) and by proper I mean like I was just out of school so I was just still trying yeah Yeah, it's hard to be a proper adult (laughs) I'm still trying still haven't got it down (laughs) But how did you feel going through that? Because I know like that kind of, I knew I loved swimming, but it broke my heart not loving it, if that made sense. Oh yeah, that completely makes sense. Like it was very confusing because it's something, judo is something that I've loved my entire life. It's had such a massive impact on my life as well. And to not be enjoying an aspect of it that I've always enjoyed before was very confusing. And um, I'm really, really glad that I took that time to, rediscover the passion I had for competing and that it was what I wanted to do and that my coaches and family gave me the space to do that and then encouraged me when I figured out that yeah okay I really want to come back and I this is this is me yeah and it's really good that they were able to give you that space because that's the you know the couple of years that people kind of drop out of the sport and they don't really come back so the fact that you're able to train through it but also take a step back enough to be able to jump back in when you needed to is really awesome yeah I'm I'll be forever grateful to especially my coach Daniel who um who gave me that space and because a lot of times coaches would just say oh all right go away figure it out yourself but he really um he took the time to make a plan and and try and figure out a way to trick me into thinking (laughs) it was my own choice to come back but yeah it was great yeah that's awesome and once you did come back what happened from there from there I just put my head down and tried to try to do the work because from there it was clear that this is where I want my life to go and I'm willing to put in the work to do it and from then uh, I started coaching a little bit as well and I started working at the gym and everything just kind of fell into place which was really good. Yeah and we were talking a little bit before we started recording about your coaching and how like fulfilling it is seeing the kids and how much they enjoy it and how much it's the outlet. How has that been like, I guess, in your journey towards, you know, you're a professional sports person, but being able to like give back to the grassroots, what's that been like? Yeah, I I love coaching the kids. They're they're funny. They say some of the craziest stuff when you're on the mat. They're a bit bit lippy sometimes, which is great when you get the cheeky ones. And I love that. And 
uh, it's given me a new perspective on the sport and and how I can take that as a coaching role to making me a better athlete. Yeah, there's so much energy in the kids and they're so funny and I just love it. Like it's fulfilling, I guess, like what you said, yeah, being able to take that and help your own performance, but then also using your performance background to then help the kids and they can kind of look up to you because you're walking the walk, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope I'm, the, I hope I'm a role model for them because you know, they've taught me a lot of things as well. And I hope I can give, give them as much as they've given me. Yeah. And you're back from the Olympics. What was it like, I guess, well, you had world champs, but just before that, what was that like having that so closely to the Olympics? Like, was that normal? Yeah. Plans that no, <laughs> it, it was a little bit strange. So normally, normally in judo, there isn't a world championships during an Olympic year, but because of COVID and having to stop competitions for a whole year what the judo federation did was they put on as many possible competitions as they could and because the olympics has been postponed a year there was supposed to be a worlds this year so they put uh put the worlds on anyways just so that everybody had as many chances as possible to compete and get the points they needed to qualify so that was about five or six weeks before the olympics i think and mm -hmm. um i managed to do pretty well there i got a seventh place which is the best I've done at a Worlds uh, ever, which was pretty exciting. And um, that competition was what cemented my direct qualification to Tokyo. And that was the goal from the beginning of qualification. So it was pretty special and um, it was an exciting time. It was very emotional as well because it was the last qualifying event. So there were a few of us from the team who didn't manage to qualify. So it was a big test of uh, managing emotions and along the week because it ran for a week. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was what got you, your, I guess, your plane ticket to Tokyo. Was it really nerve wracking, like qualifying so close to the games? Uh, yeah, it was. So it was a little bit different for me than it was for the others because we have this thing called a continental quota. And so that's the person with the highest points, uh, male or female within the continent gets a like a wild card spot to the Olympic Games, even if they don't directly qualify. And so I'd been sitting in that spot for about the last six months or something like that. So I knew I was going to the Olympics on that spot, regardless of if I qualified directly, but I really wanted to qualify directly. So it was a little bit nervous because I knew I, I had to get a seventh place to cement my spot to qualify directly. Uh, so... I did exactly what I needed to do. It would have been nicer to get a little bit higher and fight for a medal, obviously, but it was definitely nerve-wracking, but I think I managed that pretty well and and uh, the emotions around the other people not qualifying or potentially not qualifying. Did you get to go home between them or did you have to go straight from World Champs to a staging camp somewhere else and then to Tokyo? Yeah, so we stayed We stayed in Europe. So um, we have a pretty good connection with the Hungarians. So Worlds was in Hungary. And Maria, who I was talking about earlier, is originally from Hungary. We have some good connections there. So the Hungarian national team took care of us and let us do preparation with them. So they were really good to us and made us feel like we had a second home away from home. So not being able to come back with quarantine and stuff, we made the best of it with them. Oh, wow. How awesome is it that something you know, like sport can kind of bring countries together in a way that, you know, they might not have come together before. Like, that's awesome. 
Yeah, it, it's and it's really been highlighted, I think, with this current situation around COVID and around the world, because since competition started back uh, end of last year, the smaller nations have really had to come together uh, at competitions because we're stuck in a bubble and you can't go anywhere. You have limited training partners if you don't have a big team of 20 or 30, like the Japanese or the French or something like that. So you really have to kind of come together and support each other and make new connections and it's been really, um, really exciting to be able to do that. And I've made quite a few friends over the past six months and I'm really grateful for that. Oh, well, that segues us into like what benefits has sport provided you as a person that's transferred over to other avenues of your life? Yeah. So apart from that, that uh, <laughs> making friends for life kind of thing with people you've never expected to meet ever, friends all over the world, that's really fantastic. I think sport gives you a really solid base for being able to do anything in life, it teaches you resilience, it teaches you dedication, it shows you that if you're passionate about something and you're willing to put in the work, there really are no limits to what you can do. It's uh, really been a huge part of shaping who I am. Yeah, and you are also like kind of studying in the field of sport. So what are you studying? I'm currently studying an exercise science degree focusing on clinical practice. I've previously completed a double degree of exercise science and sport and rec management. And then I want to do a master's in exercise science again and rehabilitation. So obviously sport and exercise science is my passion and I have a little bit of bias towards it, but that's okay. No, I think it's brilliant. And in terms of like what you want to do your master's in, is that more so not athlete rehab or is it athlete rehab, if that makes sense? Is it everyday rehab or athlete rehab? Yeah, I'm pretty okay with either. I'd like to focus maybe on more a bit everyday rehab because I think that sport can be such a great way, sport and exercise can be such a great way to increase your quality of life in such a holistic manner with your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health and your social health. So I'm not super focused on elite athletes. I'm, I'm probably more focused around the general community and, and how sport and exercise can help. Yeah, I like that. And did you learn that kind of perspective from uni I know I did something similar I did bachelor of sport development as well as my cert three in sport and rec through high school and I kind of it really opened my eyes to the benefit sport has that's not just at that elite level like it's down at the community as well did you pick that up from school yeah I think it definitely clarified that like you get hints of it doing sport yourself and and going to the grassroots competitions and seeing how people of all shapes ages and sizes are interacting together in such a a fun and exciting way and I think the school just kind of gives you that clinical side of it of this is why it actually <laughs> is there here's the science to back that up so you know it's there but here's the science and this is why it, ha why it feels like this. Here's 10 journal articles to read yeah. to explain why that people are motivated through sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah, you kind of, it's kind of like confirms what you've been feeling and thinking and experiencing um, and yeah. it gives it a scientific backing. <laughs> yeah, and I just, yeah, it, it should go, okay, here you go, proof, we're good. That's <laughs> the kind of thing it is. And it's it being on both sides, coach, athlete and exercise science student you get a a broad range of of views and ideas and being able to bring all of that together I think will really help me with um with what I want to do and and putting back into the community 
Yeah, I love that. And speaking of, you've been on multiple sites. So is there a lesson that you've learned along the way that you'd like to share from any of the aspects or all of them? Yeah, I think what I said before, where if you're willing to put in the work and you know you love something, anything is really possible. And that goes for sport, it goes for uni, it goes for jobs. If you really want something and you're really, really willing to do it, then it'll happen for you. There's there's nothing, there's no shortcut for things. You really have to work for it. And that's something that I've learned doing sport. Physical activity and sport can have such an amazing impact on your life by just doing the smallest amount of it. And it's all aspects of your life. So it is really something that I would encourage everybody to do. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. And you mentioned before, before we started recording that your parents were a huge part of where you've gotten today. Like obviously, yes, you did the work, but you, you know, there had to be some impact from your parents to have two Olympian, it's two Olympians in the family. So like, did you learn that from them as well as sport? Like obviously they introduced you to the sport. They introduced me to the sport and they've also through while growing up, they gave me every possible opportunity I wanted to try different sports. I think I, I said it before, I'd done so many different sports, had countless opportunities to do anything I wanted. And they gave me that, those opportunities and the space to decide what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And that is so important, I think, to have that support network, whether it's parents or it's grandparents, uh, close friends, anything like that, coaches to have that support network is really special. And if you have that, you'll never fall because you've always got someone there to help you no matter what. Yeah, I really like that. And I've been speaking of the scientific articles that we were talking about before, doing some research as to the relationship between parents doing a sport and encouraging a sport and kids actually participating in it for more than just like a season. And there's a really strong relationship between those things. And like, you guys are proof. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it can definitely be a huge encouragement to continue with that sport, whether it's at an elite level or just for your whole life. It's not necessarily going to say, yeah, you have to do this sport, but it definitely helped me. And having that background of them knowing exactly what I'm going through and my siblings as well, being with them, each of us going through basically the same thing at different stages of our lives and being able to help each other with that. It's just, I've said special so many times, but it is just so special. Like there's no other word that I can say to describe it. I think following them through into this sport has been the best thing possible for me. And even if I never made the Olympics, I would still be this person and I wouldn't be this person if I hadn't done that. So yeah. Yeah, I think special is the right word to describe it. Like it's certainly like it's heartwarming and and something that, you know, is almost indescribable. Yeah. <laughs> we don't it's, have words. It's, honestly, it's it's very hard to actually put into words the impact that they've had on on my career as an athlete and not just my career as an athlete, but where I've taken my studies and my other aspects of life where I'm trying to impart some wisdom on the kids at judo and I've got that wisdom from my brother or from my sister or from my parents so yeah yeah and it just shows how strong of a community sport can bring and I guess that brings me to my next question which is have you been involved in a like a project or something where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community not recently unfortunately um Something that I do want to get involved in that I think is fantastic is uh, sporting schools, which is uh, an Australian government 
uh, initiative, I think, run by the AIS, I think that they do that. And it provides free access to all sorts of different sports through school that some kids may not have access to outside of school or for various reasons. And it encourages them to participate in sport and exercise and to experience the benefits that a lot of us have experienced over our lives. Oh, I love those types of initiatives and especially for like a sport like judo, which is, I guess, a smaller sport in Australia compared to, you know, the AFL, cricket, swimming, athletics, like they're the netball, they're the big ones that, you know, most kids seem to go into, but for kids to be exposed through school, like to sports like judo is really, really beneficial. It's a great opportunity with a minority sport to be able to expose people and kids to something that they may not necessarily have thought of as something they'd want to do Mm -hmm. but and outside of that judo gives you such a strong base in in uh, athletic fundamentals that will help in other sports as well like when I was doing AFL when I was younger or hockey if I tripped over or anything I knew to roll and get back up straight away I wasn't afraid to tackle and get in and get the ball my balance was a lot better so it gives you a lot of fundamentals as well and basics training that will really help in your future with other sports as well so it's great to be able to teach kids how to fall properly without hurting themselves oh I feel like I would have benefited from doing some judo (laughs) I broke my arm from falling as an adult so I feel like maybe I should have done some judo (laughs) (laughs) learning to fall is definitely something that I'd encourage everybody to do it uh, will save you a lot of uh, a lot of pain (laughs) or broken bones in my case (laughs) broken bones head pains, all sorts of things. Oh, that's funny. So I guess the next question, you've seen the impact that the last 18 months has had on sport. And this question comes from, I guess, all the uncertainty around it. But where do you see the future of sport? What direction do you see it going in? I would love to see a big push in grassroots sport because the elite side of sport is such a small part of sport. And it is so fantastic to have that to aim to. And I think that has been seen over the past four, six weeks with the Paralympics and the Olympics and how much that has given the Australian community with the lockdowns we've had, how much excitement and love and gratitude that that's given everybody. It's obviously so special elite sport, but grassroots sport for me is where it really should be at and where there should be a big focus on because it's going to have a massive impact on people's lives Uh, if they get involved in sport, whether it's organised sport, non-organised sport or physical activity in any way. And I think that there should be a big push towards that. Yeah, I really like that answer. And I know in the public, like I think it was a few weeks ago when the figures for how much Australians get paid compared to other countries. But stepping aside from the Paralympic and the Olympic athletes, just focusing on the Olympics, how much they got paid. And everyone was like, oh, why don't they get paid more? And I was thinking, well, I'd rather that funding, no offense to any Olympic medalist, but I'd like that funding to trickle down to the grassroots. Like I'd rather them get paid a little bit less because they still get funded, but I'd rather, you know, trickle down a little bit more towards the grassroots because more people are going to feel a benefit from that. And I really like that, you know, you're sitting here just back from the Olympics (laughs) thinking, something you know that we want to see more focus on the grassroots yeah I I would agree with that it is the grassroots and and giving the vast majority of people the opportunities to do that is far more important to me at least and some other athletes may not agree with me but (laughs) it's far far more important to me than 
getting more money if I win a gold medal because there's plenty of opportunities. Winning a gold medal gives you so many opportunities for sponsorships and, and all sorts of things where you can get a bigger income than just getting the funding from the Australian government when it can go to other places that, are, that a lot of people are going to benefit from. Yeah, I know I said Paralympics aside for a second, but I really do like that in the, you know, the last week that they now are getting the equivalent of what the Olympians are getting. And I think that is super important. Don't get me, don't get me wrong with that. No, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't think they need to be paid millions of dollars for, for a gold medal when that could go into developing a community outreach program that's going to help thousands of people. Yeah, especially when there are so many people that don't have the same opportunities. So I would agree with you, yeah. Yeah, oh, I love that. Just jumping in here, as since recording, some new information has come to light. The Australian Olympic Committee has said that retiring athletes will not receive the medal bonus if they are planning on not continuing with the sport. Also clarifying that each athlete gets one payment from the AOC, but that does not exclude their sports national body from giving them other cash bonuses. It's good to see that in team sports, that the payment is for each member of the team, And if there are members that race in a heat, they are also rewarded for their efforts. I also want to stress that this type of payment is not just for the Olympics. It's actually called the Medal Incentive Program and happens every year for the benchmark event. So in terms of the funding, that's what's happening with the National Olympic Committee. Depending on the sport, there's other funding opportunities for athletes provided at the discretion of their national sporting organisation. For example, swimmers, Swimming Australia as well as sponsorship opportunities. You can go back and listen to the Olympic debrief with Brooke Stratton if you want to hear from an athlete how they make money from the sport. With regards to the Paralympic medal rewards discussed, athletes will still receive a payment regardless of their retirement, which I think is great considering they've missed out on a reward for so many years. Someone like Ellie Cole, Australia's most decorated female Paralympian of all time, doesn't deserve to miss out when she spent 16 years representing our country. Anyway... That's enough of my interruption. I just wanted to provide some important context. What's next for you? Like where I know you're out of hotel quarantine now. So what's next in your coming years? Yeah, so for the rest of this year, I'm uh, taking a little break from competing. Obviously, it's very hard to travel interstate even than it is to travel internationally as well. So um, a little bit of a break from competition and I'll start back again at the start of next year. And Birmingham is the next thing on my list of big competitions to do and after that straight after Birmingham Paris qualifications start again with that postponement of the the Tokyo games it, it's come around very quickly so then that's Paris is next on the list and we'll work very hard towards that and I'll finish my uni degree hopefully within the next year or so and try and fit a master's in around there somewhere. Well, it sounds very busy and very full. And I know you said you'll uh, like you'll take a step back from competing, but you've got two competitors living in your house already. So like you can compete as to who's going to vacuum the floor this week. It's very competitive in this house. There, are, We've got my brother and sister, both their partners are uh, athletes as well. So there's five of us in here that are quite, quite competitive. So there, there's a lot of competitions that go go around to keep us all entertained. I'm going to look forward to seeing not just the professional sport, but also the family competitions as well. <laughs> yeah, we um, we try not to do too many family competitions because sometimes they can be a little bit above and beyond what you should do. You know, the occasional banter over a board game or something like that is not too bad. 
Oh, we can't even play board games in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've kind of gotten to the stage where it's like, if you're going to yell, you're going to yell. So let's just play the game and have some fun. And if there's some loud noises, there's some loud noises. Oh, that seems like a good attitude to have. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate your time and being able to share, you know, your perspective and, and a sport that we haven't heard from before. Uh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and to, to get to have a chat. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top-level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.